0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Sometimes I like to amuse myself by imagining where my voice is currently being heard by you, the Snack Pack listener. Like I know some of you listen in the car or on the train in your AirPods and hello to your ears, pleasure to be in them. But you know, there are also unexpected places where you might be listening to this on a plane trip overseas or maybe on a little Bluetooth speaker in a rented holiday house to cut through the awkward silence that would otherwise exist because you're on a holiday with your family and not just any family with your adult children you're like oh I'll put on Sammy J's podcast and they're like was it the guy with the puppet And you're like yeah and you put it on and then you're all sitting around right now eating ravioli that was purchased hastily from a supermarket because you were running late and you need to get the key from the landlord and now you're having a holiday with your adult children because that's what some people do but it's not always easy sometimes it's stressful sometimes it's fun sometimes it's bonding sometimes it's none of that family holidays with your adult children have you done it would you do it Oh, we'll hear some of those tales today on The Snack Pack. We'll also welcome one part of the incredible sketch group, Auntie Donna, with their brand new children's book hitting bookshelves, and we'll learn about eels, glorious eels, the animals that eat themselves. And our resident maths guru, Adam Spencer, will take us through our chances of winning the lottery. Spoiler alert, it's not great. The Snack Pack. How did you navigate the, the, the world of parent versus fellow traveller?
0: Well, um, first of all, I had three adult sons and one partner came. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was very good to come away with all those boys. <laughs> and um, I bought them all matching pink flamingo Hawaiian shirts and ourselves. <laughs> and um, at happy hour, they had to wear the shirt or no cocktails. And um, we just had a ball.
1: Were you paying for the cocktails? Oh, well, yes. Yeah, but this is, I love it that's, because... That's that, how that... I could be in charge. Well, there's always room for Christmas pud. So goes the old saying as immortalised in the classic children's book, Always Room for Christmas Pud, by renowned Australian children's author, Artie Donner. this year. She's celebrating the 30th anniversary of the book that many people allegedly grew up reading it is allegedly 30 years old, although there is some level of connection to the Australian sketch comedy group Auntie Donna, who appear to be cashing in on her good name by having attached themselves to this book. Look, honestly, it's a great read, and to join me and explain the litigation that's now involved, as well as to die on a hill, it's none other than one third of the sketch trio Auntie Donna, Mark Bonanno. Hello, Mark.
2: Yeah! My
1: goodness. Yes.
2: Yeah! I'm here! I made it! I let me into the ABC, and I can't believe it. I'm so happy to be here. I
1: did have to sneak you in through the car park. Yeah, I know, I know. So no just one knows keep I'm it here. down, because uh, no one will... Oh, right, yeah. right. Okay, great.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've
1: got a thing about talking about pudding poor... hasn't always ended well.
2: Really? Mm. What happened last time?
1: Costa from Gardening Australia came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he and I did, like, a cooking thing with Matt Preston. Yeah, right. And, um... I said I had no more room for Christmas pud. Mm. But they both read this book. And mm. they said, Well, no, you do. Clearly, oh, well, do. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. They force fed me. Yeah, yeah. And I vomited out everywhere.
2: Oh, uh, that's disgusting. Well, um, why would you talk about that?
1: Because it happens uh, at some point in this book later on, spoiler alert to well, the no, listeners. Well,
2: that's the end. That's, You've given away the end. Well, it's a classic. Everyone's read it. It is a classic, and everyone has read it. And uh, we don't, we got to make it very clear. Mm-hmm. Any uh, similarities mm-hmm. between. The way we look mm-hmm. and the characters in your book yep. is purely circumstantial and coincidental i mean it 's lifelike
1: illustrations by
2: james yes, Fosdyke. but that 's thirty years old you 're using your names you 're right that 's thirty years old that book. How could we possibly have have had that that foresight It is. it 's just the way it 's worked out well, unfortunately and you've, uh, you've, i can 't say much more
1: you 've gone done me a diddle with your logic sword so um... <laughs> Mark, big year for Auntie Donna. You've you've Huge. had your Netflix show, you've had all your albums and your touring, and now you're filming another show
2: for, for yeah. our ABC. For it's our- very exciting. Aunties on Auntie, mm-hmm. finally. Oh. <laughs> what, you, what do you think of that? Did you Is like it that? Good? Aunties on it's Auntie, good. yeah,
1: and TikTok. TikTok, oh, don't get me started. Why? ABC have a TikTok account and they try and put some of my things on it and I, I run scared. Yeah, I know, you're all over TikTok. It do you be, you're, it do? Yeah, oh, but be miserable they, little 20 views or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, we, had, we had we had someone cook the books for us. Yeah. <laughs> what, they paid to get subscribers or something? I don't know I, if I'm allowed to just say this. say it. I don't know if I'm allowed just to say, say this. say it. But what happened was mm. we got an email one day from TikTok <laughs> and it said, hey, do you want to be on TikTok? And we were like, sure, why not? Maybe this will be the first time in our lives we get onto a platform with a bit of a head start before it's already coming on, right? Because we're always a step behind. Old late to the party, Donna. Yeah, people forget how old, like we're old men. When our first clip on YouTube went uh, Mm -hmm. viral, we found out someone was like, "Yeah, someone posted it on Reddit," and we were like, "Wow, (gasps) what's Reddit?" (laughs) Just no zero idea. So, so, so TikTok were like, "Do you want to come on TikTok and uh, and we'll and we'll help you out?" And we're like, "Great." So we looked it up at Auntie Donna was taken by someone. So we did at Auntie Donna LOL, yeah. and we wrote back to them. We're like, "This is our channel, Auntie Donna was taken. We're at Auntie Donna LOL." And then they wrote back to us, and they wrote, "Give us ten minutes." And then twelve minutes later, we got an email, and they said, "Auntie Donna is now available." <laughs> so- they killed some little child's dream. Oh, that is amazing. And we're like, I don't want to know what kind of power TikTok has here, but they are taking yeah. it to the next level.
1: Mark Bonanno, you're listening to Mark. He's part of Auntie Donna, the funniest damn sketch, a trio. And I shouldn't say trio, there's more involved, but the faces that we know are a trio. The of faces course. that we know are a trio. Um, to have come out of this country in, in a good 200 years. What's the hill you're going to die on today, Mark? The you hell? know, you, I've given you your pound of flesh. You've got your little Always Room for Christmas Pud we got book,
2: book plug-in. We've got the, p- plug in. Mm-hmm. The, pud the Pud book plug-in. Say it again. The Pud book plug-in. The Pud book plug-in. That's what we've got in.
1: But now I need to know, what's your little petty grievance? What's your passion? What's the thing you're going to
2: die over today? The thing I hate is mm. something that really, it irks me. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one thing that really, that, that gets me going mm-hmm. Is you know when I don't, I don't know if you've ever ever had this, yeah. but when people pretend say they're coming on your show and they're trying they, to plug, or whatever. yeah, whatever, yeah. and they pretend to be a bigger fan than they are because oh. it's sort of easier, yeah. to do, and it's so disingenuous, but it's sort of like this charming sort of banter, yeah, yeah. and it's like it's ridiculous because like I I adore your show. Oh. And I adore you. You listen. I, like I constantly. listen to it every quarter yep. when it when it comes out Well, yep. I watch it. Yeah. And and it, it just means so much to me because serious journalism, like what you do, doesn't really exist much anymore. Not that and, and and I've I i am so glad you, you realize this, because most people of, don't say that you know, I mean, don't recognize it. Yeah. There's not a lot of things that make me cry yeah, yeah. the way your show does. Thanks, like man. it hits me in in the feels, right? And when people Fake that, and when people like are bullshit about yeah. how they actually feel about someone else's art, that really, really upsets me. Um, you know, that means so much coming from you. You know, like like yeah. the honesty in that is is true, and because I know that you respect my work so much, it's um. Thank you. You're so well. I've read all your books yep. like I I, I love uh, and I've got all your videotapes. Yep. You mean the you you are my favorite comedian Thank and you. this is my favorite show ever.
1: And that's that's why I wanted to have you on here yeah. to talk about your work. Yeah. Um, and other people would do it in a sort of conniving fashion. That's what I find. Yes, yeah. yeah in yeah, fact, yeah, yeah, I'm joining yeah. your army right now. Other people would do it in a sort of you know miserable, sort of yeah. calculated way. Yeah, yeah, gross, yuck. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. as friends here, now we can just just talk it through together.
2: Absolutely. You know, Mark Bonanno, and I'm I'm sup- like I. To be honest, I thought I thought you would be a puppet, but you're yep. not, and I and I and I love people always say this, like, always I, you know, well I'm a very big fan. Yeah, yeah. And uh and I and I but I love that you haven't bought the puppet. I think no. that's really cool. No, he's in he's in the suitcase. Yeah, yeah. right. No yeah, one's yeah, putting amazing. their hands up his butt. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it, love it. Oh my it. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Manano,
1: there is always room for Christmas put. There is. I love you. I love you. Auntie Donna's book is out now. Yes, Their program is coming to Auntie, so <laughs> Auntie's going to be on. Auntie. Auntie's going
2: to be on it. A- I like that. That's I- a good one. Can I begin the show? I really need it.
0: It was interesting because, of course, when the kids were younger, I was in charge of the packing, you know, have you got your two boardies? have you got this, have you got that, making, you know, hovering over micromanaging. So this time it was just like, well, you know, let's see what you all bring along and, and um, bring to the party. You know, when my son, eldest son, was 15, we went on a roadie where his entire stuff that he packed was a guitar, 12 novels and Blades of Glory and Kung Pao DVDs. That was it no clothes whatsoever so i was really curious to see what he would come up with and um there was a hairy moment going through airport security where they thought that he had a ninja star in his hand luggage but it turned out to be the little trivet for his coffee percolator that he had brought along to the Wards of tassie You're listening
1: to the sammy j snack pack you know i was uh, strutting around on twitter during the week as opposed to lurking you know most people lurk in the shadows but When I log on to Twitter, I strut, I go hard, I comment, I like, I respond, and then I disappear for a month or so. But during my time engaging, I discovered a tweet by a geologist and a beamline scientist at the Australian Synchrotron, Emily Finch, who said the following, "Okay, folks, it's time we talked about eels. I recently learnt a lot about eels, and since then I've been greeting strangers with, do you know about eels? And then she's just gone on, to describe all these incredible eel facts, which appear, as best as I can tell, to have taken over her entire life. It's become quite her passion. So, Emily, I had to get you onto the snack pack to share that passion with us. Why did eels take over your life?
0: Well, it all started when my friend told me about the eels and she told me the first eel fact. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then she told me the next one, I was like, mm, this sounds a bit fishy, <laughs> fishy. Right. And, uh, then she kept telling me more and more and I was just like, um, that can't possibly be true. So she was telling me I was Googling and my brain was just exploding and, uh, Since then, I've been telling everyone about the eels.
1: Well, tell us all, Eel Millie Finch, because we are here. We have three or four minutes. Blow our minds. Take it away. Let's give the eels the credit they deserve.
0: Okay, well, all the eels in Europe and America are born in the Sargasso Sea, which is part of the Bermuda Triangle, so already that's a bit sus.
1: They're all born (laughs) there.
0: All of them are born there. So they might be in like a landlocked country in Europe and they'll just climb out from their river one day and make the journey over land. They can go over land all the way to the Bermuda Triangle, which is like thousands of kilometres away.
1: Are they like a convertible? They just become a snake on land?
0: Well, apparently they just need like it to have rained a tiny bit, so a bit of a damp ground and they can just go on land. Like a slip and slide in the 80s. Exactly, an eel slip inside. It's just kind of horrifying.
1: Okay, yeah. this is already incredible. Please continue this journey.
0: Okay, well, probably my favourite fact is that when they decide they want to spawn, they just wake up one day, they dissolve their stomachs, and then they go over to the Bermuda Triangle, which is where they spawn. And they're just eating themselves slowly from the inside out on the whole journey. <laughs> Horrifying.
1: So that they don't have to bother about finding food?
0: Yeah, that's right. So you can't even, scientists like try to bait them to sort of catch them on the way to the Bermuda Triangle, yeah. and they wouldn't even take the bait because they're like, I'm not hungry, I don't have a stomach. <laughs> it's amazing.
1: Yeah, this is really good. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. tell us more, tell us more.
0: Okay, so the way that they found that they all spawn in the Bermuda Triangle is that this one guy, Johannes Schmidt, Schmidt. Uh, he sort of followed the eels until they got smaller and smaller and smaller. And eventually, after many years traversing the seas, he found the smallest eels in the Bermuda Triangle.
1: How small were they?
0: So, oh, you know, well, quite quite small, you yeah. know, a couple millimetres. And ways. they're transparent. Exactly. They're transparent when they're born. And so for a while, they're just sort of floating around in the ocean looking like vermicelli, like riding the currents. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Emily Finch, a scientist at the Australian Synchrotron, talking about eels. Why not? Because this is blowing my mind. I want to know about Australian eels, though. You've talked all about the landlocked ones in the other hemisphere. Are they as impressive down this way?
0: I would argue yes. I obviously am a little bit biased. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so ours, so here in Victoria, um, ours, they live in rivers. And then, again, once they decide they want to spawn, they sort of just, Float down the river and uh, go to the sea, and then swim all the way up to the Coral Sea. Which, honestly, I had to Google where that was, but it's next to the Bar- Great Barrier Reef. Ooh, yeah. So all the way up the coast to the Great Barrier Reef—it's an epic journey. So does that
1: mean every eel we might see here in Victoria has come from there?
0: Yes, like everyone absolutely. or every just some, single every... one. <laughs>
1: if you see everyone. an eel, it's... but what about no? But like, what if they're born in captivity or something, or in a pond, or they've. <laughs>
0: Apparently, they don't do well in captivity. <laughs> they just—they uh, don't like to breed in captivity. They have to go to their one particular place where they spawn. It's one and uh, and even though so, what happens when eels uh, spawn is that they die. So a bit sad, but right. it's the circle of life. Yeah. Um. So they die. So offspring never meet their parents, and yet the offspring know exactly where to go to go back to where their parents used to live. So in the example of the Bermuda Triangle, some of them will go back to the US, some of them will go all the way back to Europe, never knowing their parents, telling them where to go. They just they just know. It's mind-blowing. Well,
1: it is a mind-blowing fact. In fact, so mind-blowing that Dr Kylie Sones has contacted the Snack Pack. She's an ecologist doing wildlife research. Kylie, I believe you have a little-known eel fact to add to the eel party.
0: The reason that um, <laughs> their stomachs, shrink or or dissolve is to make room for their expanding gonads because eels undergo this enormous transformation to become you know mean lean migrating machines with the single goal of getting to the coral sea and spawning Hmm. but part of that means having uh, great big gonads to do all the spawning with yep so they get pointier heads to be more streamlined they get bigger eyes and uh
1: and they eat their own stomachs so they don't have to bother about food on the way
0: that's right, and then they are up the reproductive end and uh, you've got to make room for that somehow. A snack pack. Yeah, my wife and I have taken our mothers on two holidays a few years ago, one year apart. The first one was to Europe, we were away for about three weeks and that, that, was, that was fun, that was a challenge. Um, we had fun on the, even at Melbourne Airport when my mum jumped onto the, um, onto the conveyor belt to check her luggage after we would checked it in. That was, that was, what, I mean, she, what? She, she, she did, went she was, on the belt? Yeah, on the bill. So
1: what I'm learning so far, I think, is that if you're going to take your adult kids on holiday, basically you have to pay for everything. That's still the rule. So it's not quite a relationship of equals entirely. But look, money can't bite you love. and might be able to buy you extra time with your grown-up children. Although if you did want to have a lot of money, you'd probably have to win the lottery. And what are the chances of that? Look... Let's find out, because Adam Spencer, our resident maths guru and host of the new podcast Billion Dollar Napkin, has crunched some numbers for us. Adam, welcome back to the Snack Pack. Tell it to us straight.
3: What are the odds of winning the lottery? The population of Greater Melbourne is just over 5 million people. Mm -hmm. Divide that into 134 million, you get something like 26. And so, the odds of winning Powerball, if you were in a room and a magician picked a person at random Mm -hmm. who had a piece of paper in their pocket with a letter on it, and they correctly guessed that person out of a room of 200 and the letter in their pocket, Mm -hmm. you'd be blown away, yeah? Absolutely. To win win Powerball, you have to pick the random person in all of greater Melbourne who's got a letter in their pocket. You've got to pick that person out of the $5 and then the random letter in the alphabet. That's that's how unlikely it is that you jag the Powerball jackpot. Have some fun, go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm not the doom and gloom guy, don't have fun. Knock yourself out, just please don't do it if you're investing money, you have to win back. And if someone tells you they've got a secret system, Sammy, much as I love you, if I had a secret system that improved my odds on Powerball, I simply wouldn't tell you. I would not tell anyone and I'd go dumping large amounts of money into my secret system. All these ones, people say, what about oh you can pay you can play multiple games. You can. They cost exactly the multiple of the number of games. It's quicker to buy a 20 ticket or a fifty ticket, but the odds don't in any way change by doing that. You still got a one in one hundred and thirty-four million chance for any individual set of numbers. You pump into the machine.
1: Okay, so you have disemboweled the notion that anyone has a particularly half-decent chance of winning this money, and yet, Adam, on a human level, this is this is the core of the business model and this is what makes it so scintillating because someone will have been that person that was picked by a magician in the crowd.
3: And everyone else will lose. And everyone listening to me now will be part of that everyone else. And that's cool. <laughs> that's that's the way it goes. Look, there is the... One, one thing you try, if you do win... You don't want to have to share it with heaps of other syndicates who've got the same numbers. Mm. So there is a small theory that if you can pick numbers others don't pick, you're more likely to win by yourself. So maybe pick a few numbers above 31 because people pick anniversaries and birth dates and there's less. That might tilt the odds ever so slightly in your favour. But beware. Some people hear me say that, and they say, you know what I'm going to pick? No one else will pick this. I'll pick one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I guarantee you, if the Powerball ever came out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it's just as likely to come out that as anything else, it would be shared by so many thousands of syndicates. It would blow your mind because a little bit of information is sometimes a very dangerous thing.
1: Well, if you are listening to this on a family holiday, thank you all. I hope I helped and didn't hinder family relationships, you can return now to your viennetta or whatever dessert you've all agreed to by committee. Thanks for tuning in. There'll be another episode next week. There's plenty more you can catch up on in the past or tell your friends and rate in the App Store. You can listen to my breakfast program from whence this content derives every morning on ABC Listen app from 5.30 weekdays. Thanks to Ross cavanaugh my sound guru, for stitching
3: it together and my breakfast radio team. Have a great week. Catch you soon.